Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. Welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. So excited about our guest for today. Pierce, thank you so much for being with us. I know you're just going to be breathing fire today. So why don't you answer our first question, which is always, who are you? Chris, man, it is a pleasure to be on the show. I have, uh, I love the content you guys have been putting out. And so it's just a, it's a huge honor to be here today. So um, I got three different tracks uh, that I kind of stay in. Uh, the one big one is authorship. Uh, and that kind of transcends everything else I do. And so uh, I've got a book, Calling, Awaken to the Purpose of Your Work, uh, which is about helping us find uh, the existential uh, thing that we are supposed to be doing with our lives um, so that we are on the right path and we get into it quickly and that we love what we do. Uh, and then that boils down into everything else I do, which is product, digital product consulting, uh, helping the best companies in the world build the best software in the world uh, to transform people's lives. Uh, and so I do that and I do a lot of public speaking and, and stuff as well. So this is a trifecta, but I love every bit of it. Woo. Love it. So good. And, uh, thank you for, for communicating that as, as well. Um, always curious Pierce when people have been able to launch out and, and to be an author, can you tell us a little bit about your leadership journey to where you are today? Yeah, you know, my leadership journey uh, started way out in the boondocks of uh, East Texas. I was the oldest of nine kids uh, and grew up in a pretty uh, poverty-stricken kind of environment. And I tell you what, all from from the same parents, as far as I know. And uh, uh, we had a couple dogs to add on to that as well. So so, uh, extreme circumstances met with extreme numbers. Uh, from a family perspective, really kind of gave me a grid for managing tons of personalities, needing to help take ownership, even from the idea of putting food on the table from a really, really young age. Uh, and that gave me a lot of confidence uh, to strike it out on my own. Uh, I uh, The first job I ever had was working for myself. I was able to build a company and sell it age 26. Uh, and, uh, you know, from there, getting to share some of those experiences with others have really kind of provided a, a foundation as I've kind of gone through the rest of my career. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. So why nine kids, man, you know, I think that was, uh, I won't ask myself the same question because I probably won't do, do the same thing, well, but, uh, well, you gotta continue the legacy. <laughs> what are you talking about? I know. I've, 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 anytime I broached it with my wife, uh, she thinks I'm crazy. Uh, and it probably would be, <laughs> you know, I think they just wanted to be open to, um, what they believed, uh, uh, the, the almighty was asking them to do. And, uh, and so, uh, I, I honor them for that. Um, and it gives you a ton of, uh, a ton of friends right out the gate. And so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'm one of six and my parents now have, uh, 21 grandchildren with the 22nd Ooh. on the way. Oh my goodness. Wow. That's awesome. 
we're, we're, you know, if, if we don't, you know, we're, if we're not feeling in love with the current culture, we're just building community. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes, I, I know a, a lot. You know, I, I can't imagine what nine must have looked like growing up, but I can imagine I know what six looked like. And uh, so it was uh, just just a beautiful disaster kind of in, in that hot mess of, of uh, the journey in that way. They say it's cheaper by the dozen. I say after five kids, it starts to all just kind of be the same thing. You know, <laughs> it's a big family feel and everyone's helping everybody. So it was good. Mm-hmm. So I know at least for in my own journey that that uh, unfortunately, you know, there was a lot of uh, maybe um, some warts and, and uh, vices that I had to overcome in order to kind of feel like I was honing the, the leader that I am today. Can you talk a little bit about that own your own journey in that as well? I mean, I, you know, I, I say that with the expectation that, you know, for you to be able to branch out, to go from that upbringing branch out, create an organization, sell it by 26. I would imagine that you were probably in a lot more mature and, mm-hmm. and uh, healed state of mind than I was at that point in my life. So maybe it wasn't as, as much of a journey, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there to, before we started to dive into the virtues, because sometimes when we just talk about virtues first, I feel like people are then like, oh, well, look at this guy who's way too pious. I can never reach that level of excellence, et cetera. No, absolutely. Actually, I really enjoy that question. I'm glad you I'm glad you asked it. And absolutely not. So I say the two things that uh, are top of mind for sure that I had to kind of grow out of and it's really been um, uh, a continual process is one, letting go of what I call as a poverty mindset, which is the idea that lack is basically the state of the world. And that uh, you have to constantly work to basically escape lack. And part of that was coming from a uh, living below the poverty line my whole life. And then the outcome of that, which is workaholicism, uh, Mm -hmm. where I would spend, you know, easily, easily, Chris, 18 hour days, uh, seven days a week, you know, I would just absolutely not stop, wouldn't take any time off on the weekends. Uh, And all that was because of a belief that if I stopped basically anything good would disappear. What's really interesting about that is, while I think that is definitely something that unique that I've had to work through um, and uh, and stuff, what I've seen is that that's true for a lot of entrepreneurs too, that if they don't kind of build balance into their lives, they're, they're so bought into their own visions that they'll forsake some of the things that are right in front of them. And so it's really healthy in order to be a holistic leader in order to really be present to everything that is in your life, to realize that um, there isn't lack, there's really an abundance um, and you need, and your own focus will help kind of bring that out and find that. Uh, And then the other is that, you know, uh, uh, basically to kind of share that, share that out. So going back to kind of my own, my own life in that, you know, I've seen from a leadership perspective, back to the original sort of question, there's been times when, you know, I've really encouraged guys like, oh, and you're calling it quits at seven o'clock, like go to nine, like it, you'll put a stretch, go in there and just start working till nine o'clock every night. You, you'll, you'll find good things from it. It's always worked well for me. And I didn't realize, I thought I was, I thought I was basically being a banner for hard work. And what I really was doing was being a banner for isolationism. And so uh, that's definitely something I've had to work through. 
Um, but you know, on the other side of that, there's a lot of really good things that come from focus, knowing why you're working. Um, I think so often we work hard and we don't know why we're working, um, or we get just really into the gutter or into the ditches digging and we don't know where we're going. So all of the growth from that has been good for sure. And, uh, and learning that there's a balance has been really good as well. Yes, that is an awesome answer. Thank you for just having the uh, courage to be able to share something like that. So now I'm also, now the follow-up question of that has got to be, so how did you get set free from that? Um, you know, I think it was a lot of things. Uh, one was, uh, you know, my now wife just saying, Hey, listen, you know, I know this is normal for you, but you know, not seeing you, uh, in the evenings, you know, all that kind of stuff is, uh, having an effect. And so, um, you know, we went through that through the, our, our dating period and I realized, you know what, um, uh, there are other ways to do that. And then kind of just, uh, from a faith perspective for myself, I really believe that um, good things come without sorrow. That doesn't mean there isn't sacrifice. That doesn't mean there aren't good, it, that there isn't an exchange, a healthy exchange that the entrepreneur needs to get used to. There is for sure. Um, uh, the But all that being said, um, the best things come in life from actually, uh, like what you say, from having a virtuous perspective and leaning into that. Um, those can be kind of the guardrails, so to speak, of your life. And when you and when you put them up, you're focused in, in what I believe is the orient of of the universe, that things are going to go in a direction that that are good because you're operating from a, a standard operating procedure, which is virtuous. Hmm. So Pierce, in in just to clarify too, was it like an ultimatum from your, which, which I think you said wife, or was it just kind of like, this isn't working and you, you were just like, recognize like, okay, wow, maybe this is, this is, uh, this is not the way that I need to be. If this is going to be a long-term relationship, I'm just trying to really get an understanding. Cause I think, and the reason why you're probably like, why Chris, why, why are you making me do this? And you're probing really deep right now. <laughs> but, but I, I think it. about, I think about like, the fact that the pandemic making us all like, regardless of your working situation, most of us are now at home. And a lot of people have talked about the fact that, that the work-life balance has actually gotten worse mm -hmm. from working at home because mm -hmm. there is like, it's so easy to basically be like, okay, well, the kids are in a good spot and now I didn't work earlier. So I'm just going to work, 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 work. And then, mm -hmm. and there is no like having that healthy balance. So I think like kind of your story of like that reckoning of understanding that I think can be really helpful to other people. Sure. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to go deeper on that. I, I love the, I love the challenge too. So no, one of the things I love about my wife is that she doesn't give ultimatums. Um, we're not really in an ultimatum relationship. What we do is we have, we respect the fact that when people, when each one of us brings something to the table, we're doing it with the intent of love and we're doing it with the intent of trying to help bring out the best in the other person. And so that was how she brought it forward to me. And I recognized it too. You know, I think when I was in my early twenties, uh, you know, I, just to give some examples, I would do, uh, sometimes two all nighters a week. So I would do like two 48 hour stints of, of, of work. 
And, you know, first off the body, yeah, the body just can't do that. Um, indefinitely. Um, and so, uh, uh, there's a, there's a practical part of that. So you just can't do that indefinitely, but even kind of like, you know, uh, I don't know if you're Enneagrams or Myers-Briggs, but like, I'm like an INTJ three. So I'm, I'm, I have a disposition for work anyway. Um, and so I would look up ways of working around the clock and stuff like that, keeping your mind focused. And what I just really realized was, you know, there's gotta be a reason there's gotta be an intent for why you're doing all of this work you you say it's to build a company but at, at a certain point like once your needs are met why aren't you getting off the hamster wheel and that's a really good question i think for any business owner to ask is if things are operating effectively you know why are you still doing it and and so um you know it, she brought that up to me and i'd seen the need for it anyway and and so it it just made it good sense to start working on that. And, you know, I'd, I'd help to kind of to, to work through that too, but it's one of those things now. So now I check myself, I'll give you a, a quick practical. Uh, I just started a new contract, um, fantastic contract with the, with a fortune company and we're doing some great stuff. And I'd gotten uh, a message after hours about, you know, connecting me to someone. And I was thinking, you know, old Pierce would have, Oh man, this is 2 AM. I'm going to prove that like I'm on the ball and respond to this instantly. And now I realize whether I respond to it now or not, doesn't change the momentum of the project. It just doesn't. And so having time to kind of recognize um, when I'm going to be on and when I'm going to be off um, makes me a more present person, both to my work and to my other relationships. Amen. And and Pierce, do you guys have children together thus far? Yeah, we do. We got a little girl. Uh, uh, she's brand new, right out of uh, right out of the oven. She's two months old uh, tomorrow. So we're I'm over the moon new dad. <laughs> the dog is less happy about it. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Demoted quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Quick demotion. Yeah. And and the reason I bring that up because yeah, to your point that it's like when you start to it's just being present, right? Trying to be mm. present in all situations. And and if you are grinded out at work and you're not being present to the people at home and then on the same on vice versa, if it's just like, it's not a healthy thing to be able to constantly always mm. be on because then one relationship is always going to suffer. And, uh, and, and thank you so much for communicating that because I, I feel like, yeah, it's like, I guess the other thing that I was thinking about in my own mind, a like it's a little worrisome. I don't know if it's like another time zone, what it is uh, for it to be sending out emails at two in the morning. But I'm also thinking like if I'm partnering with someone, you know, do I want someone to be you know grinding out at two thirty in the morning because it's like, are we really going to have a good quality of life to be able to like when we are at work to really be present to those around us, et cetera. Well, it's crazy that you bring it up because I, th I think it's actually systemic uh, and building a good culture, uh, uh, which is one of the reasons I love, you know, being a business owner is building a, a good culture as ways to combat that practically. But you look, uh, I think it was the CEO of Alibaba. He re recently said that the new standard for work needs to be 90 hours a week. Uh, that that's how much he works and that anyone who works for his company needs to get used to that just being the new 
the new norm. And that you hear, you just, it's everywhere. Go look, people are living, living under their desks over there. Um, but to the conversation of, of virtue, you think about it in, in practical terms. Okay. You know, if I'm providing value, then that value and I value myself, then that's going to have some kind of effect on one, what I charge and who I work with as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Knowing your values helps you to find alignment, both from a costing perspective and a business relationship perspective. And that in and of itself is healthy because I know probably anyone listening to this, maybe Chris, even yourself, there's been point been times when an offer was made and you're like, man, I would love, you know, that cash flow. I would love that little boost. But something tells me that this is not the right person to get into bed with, or this company isn't the right. There's going to be an exchange here. There's going to be a cost here that's going to be more than just my time. Uh, it's going to compromise something that that I believe in. And uh, and having those values helps you put up good guardrails. And I think it will actually make you a more profitable company too. Amen. So, you know, you wrote this book, Pierce, and uh, just wanted to ask you, how does a, a calling clarify an approach to leadership? So calling is uh, the existential reason for why we do what we do. And I believe every person on the planet has one. Um, if calling is a, a compass, I think virtue and leadership are kind of the wind in the sails. Mm-hmm. So if you know the direction you're supposed to head, these other two things, virtue and leadership, are really going to uh, determine how much push you have in that direction. Um, because, you know, all things being equal, we see some people who are really living it out strongly, like yourself. And you see others where you see all the potential in the world. You ever met someone and they're dripping with potential and they're just, they're, it, your heart breaks because they're not living up to it. I mean, I think um, Tiger Woods has unfortunately just got dragged through the news. I don't watch the news, but some yeah. people in my network tell me about that. And and so I was just thinking about like, oh man, you know, looking at his career and and how just those, you know, it's just continually feeling like you you, it's like almost, it's just like constantly through this flow of like hitting the peak of his career and then all of a sudden scandal. Peter right. scandal, you know, and over and over again. Yeah, it's tragic. So you know, I love. There's a there's a there's a uh, a quote I love, and it's uh, you can gain the world, but you can u- lose your soul. And I think that's what happened when you have talent that's detached, that's siphoned, that's separated from from your call. The great thing about knowing kind of your existential why, why you're here, and what you're doing, is it gives you clarity. So practically. The best of leaders can't be all things to all people, right? Um, uh, you know, Moses couldn't be all things to all people. Um, you look at uh, some of the other great leaders, you know, uh, uh, different people in politics and, and anyone you would aspire to. No one can be all things to all people. Knowing that, knowing what your calling is, is going to give you focus because it's going to say, this is where I should develop my leadership skills. And leadership is a lot more than just, okay, like, uh, Am I, you know, eating last, as Simon Sinek, you know, loves to say, um, or am I uh, raising my lid so that my leadership, you know, technical skills are growing? Leadership, true leadership is about knowing exactly how what you do fits in line with the vision that people can get behind and can grow in. And uh, uh, 
all of the technical skills and soft skills and, um, uh, and ways of whiteboarding out what you are capable of doing in the world uh, won't matter a lot if you don't have that internal sense of direction that tells you where you do and where you don't go. Hmm. Well, <clears throat> I love that analogy that you just gave of the, the calling is the, the direction and in essence leadership and virtue are the wind hmm. uh, pushing the actual boat in that direction. That that's such a beautiful way to, to look at it. So thank you for that clarification that I feel like that's very educating and uh, helps me just kind of get a sense to the work that you've been doing as well, Pierce. So um, as it relates to, um, yeah, I just want to think about some, can you share some examples of where you've been able to help others like clarify their calling and how that is manifested within their own lives and, and the work that they're doing? Sure. Yeah. In, in so many ways, I feel like I'm at the beginning of this. Um, uh, so, but what I would say is, you know, the, the book has been a big part of that. Um, uh, and, and specifically working with, with men to help, you know, raise, raise good families. Um, I feel like a lot of, a lot of the lessons that, you know, I I've learned or been able to learn have actually come from really bad examples. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. I'll give you an, well, I'll give you an example, uh, here. So years ago, it was actually after selling, uh, my company, uh, uh, I had a, a, a boss, um, and, uh, they, uh, they had said, you know, Hey, Pierce, we need you to do something. So I did it. And then, uh, uh, about two or I worked till about 2 a.m. on the project. I, I remember it was 2 or 2.30. And the next day, um, uh, they asked if it was finished and I wasn't finished yet. And I said, uh, and, they, and I said, well, you know, I said, I, I worked, you know, till 2.30 on this. I'll do my best to get it done. And they blew up and they said, did I ask you to work till 2.30 or did I ask you to work till it was finished? Um, yeah. And, uh, I was like, my gosh, like, I really felt like I, I put a, I was trying to be sacrificial and prove myself there. Uh, and they absolutely, you know, weren't, weren't buying it. And so, uh, you know, but then on the, on the flip side of that, they had an internal virtue and they told everybody in the company, this was that, Hey, listen, you know, if, uh, uh, if your client has a need, they, they'd say like at 2 a.m. in the morning, they use that example again. Uh, they said, you know, you should be the person they they call. You should be on call for, for anything, even something in their personal lives. And uh, what that did was it created a lot of dysfunction because you didn't know where the separation between, you know, uh, what, uh, where your work ended and where kind of being an advocate for someone you didn't, your clients kind of, kind of ended. And so, you know, one of the things in recognizing that, um, that kind of dysfunction, I was able to really kind of work with everyone within the organization to say, okay, listen, where do boundaries exist? If you know me at all, you know, I love boundaries, um, because I think they're, they're healthy. Uh, and so, uh, working with my, you know, immediate executives, um, there, um, helping them to make good decisions, helping them not to get, you know, bulldozed, all that type of stuff was, was all part of it. But, 
anytime you know who you are, it lets you be in a chaotic situation uh, and almost be uh, agnostic to it. Like I can be in some of the most stressful situations you can imagine. And it's not that I don't feel it. I'm still human. Um, but be pretty unmarred by it because I have a really strong internal sense of, of my own direction. You know, um, it's that whole compass analogy. Again, I'm headed North. Uh, all the people in the world heading East make no difference to me. So that makes me beg the question as to then what was the response to, to that client? Uh, so, uh, well, with, it was with, uh, with, the uh, the boss. So I'll, it, it, it ultimately ended up having to part ways. So we'd had those conversations. And so I had a VP colleague who was, who was with me and he had done something similar and, uh, he'd really sacrificed himself to try and, and meet a certain goal, a certain KPI in the company. Uh, and then he got disinvited from a huge client meeting from, from, you know, uh, from our, our mutual boss. And he was really frustrated and discouraged by it because he'd worked really hard uh, to use the language. He'd really taken ownership of, of, a, of part of the company. And then to be disinvited to this huge, it was like a national level type situation or potential for it was really disheartening. And so I remember being in the car with this, with this boss and saying, Hey, you know, um, this guy has really put forth the effort here. Like, uh, you, you, we talk about ownership as a, as like a, as a, as a big time leader, that's what everyone wants. This guy is, is taking it. Uh, and I kid you not, what he said to me was Pierce. He said, there is one thing that I live by. And he said, if I see someone performing well, I make a point not to encourage them. He said, I can't let people thinking that they're doing a good job here. If they do, they'll get a big head and they could always take over larger parts of the company. He said, so it's important he knows he's in his place. And so it was like shocking, uber shocking. Uh, you're, you're, you're like, what kind of like, what is, what, what world is, is, you know, this guy living in. But I, I say all this to say, sometimes and how does someone like that rise to that level dude it's like yeah how is this even possible well there's two there's two sort sides of um of what i'd say is leadership and i i'll we'll use the term leadership loosely there is uh influence where someone says i want to do something because i believe in the direction that someone is going or the mission that someone is going in and then there's manipulation which says if i don't go in the direction someone is going, something bad is going to happen. So one is encouragement based and one is fear based. And I think for anyone who's really wanting to grow their own internal leadership, it is extremely important as a leader with integrity to know that you are motivating people through encouragement and not through fear. Um, even if you personally have fear about the unknown, do not ever leverage that as a way of getting outcomes out of somebody else, because ultimately it's lowercase uh, a abuse hmm. wow so uh well thank you for sharing pierce that uh what a story hmm. and uh yeah i can see how you know being able to know your calling know where you're headed helps you to really have clarity when you butt up against people that you know are going the exact opposite way and just saying like this is not my value system 
this is mm-hmm. not what I what I want for my career, what I'm currently doing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you know, no level of compensation is going to be worth this toxicity for me personally. So I need to clearly it's time for me to be able to move on at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so so thank you for that. Um, and thank you for just, you know, that witness and courage for others that probably are also in in you know, just thinking through, you know, I hate to use the the pandemic, but, you know, and it, with us, you know, being able to grind out that many more hours, I'm, I'm probably, I'm actually know for certain that, that with revenues down and bosses being able to wanting to get more out of their, their employees, it was already kind of a thing where we do more with less. And then you ignite above that with, with the pandemic. And that's just a recipe for, for these, toxic leadership things where people are, you know, feeling like unless they're putting in the, you know, 50 hours to 90 hours a week that, that, you know, that one guy you said 90 hours a week is the new norm that, that you are not going to be on this team and, and yuck. So, so, so thank you for that. And I, I, I hope that inspires others to, to think through, like if, if they're up against that type of leadership, to really think to themselves, is this a place that I want to be? And is this a place where I want to be able to grow into mm-hmm. as well? So thank you. Uh, so the other question I had for you, Pierce, is um, you, so we, I feel like we covered the, the, the calling question and kind of like looking at how virtue and calling work together in that regard. Um, wanted to kind of hear you speak a little bit on, on um, how does differentiation such as branding get affected by virtue and a company's values? Absolutely. I, I, I'm really glad you asked that question. So like, I, I love you. If you go to spirit, uh, coms, your website, and you've got these values listed here, like joy, patience, self-control, kindness, humility, integrity, faithfulness, honesty. I love them. I absolutely love them. Um, uh, because they say something about your character and the character of people that you're going to attract. The great thing about knowing your values in a company is it actually creates brand differentiation as well. So like, let's take the, uh, the virtue of joy, right? Let's say that you value joy, um, not just being a happy person, but, uh, the sense of consistency and steadfastness and, and the, in a world of chaos that is going to have an effect on everything. If you really own that, it's gonna have an effect on your standard operating procedures. It's gonna have an effect on the way you approach marketing. It's gonna have an effect on the way you you lead your teams. Uh, uh, the company that, for instance, that comes to mind is Zappos. I don't know if you've ever read um, uh, the guy's book uh, uh, about how he created the shoe company. And he's sadly, he's passed now. Um, uh, but I think it was called The Business of Happiness. And that was because that was one of their values. And so the, the thinking on that is, Hey, listen, if what, what, how do you, with a virtual company, how do you get people to express or or find joy in shoe shopping? Well, it's by actually kind of meeting them exactly where they're at, giving them options, discoveries. And then if they don't want something, the exchange needs to be absolutely perfect. So you're creating delight right? Uh, in the mind of, of the consumer. And that's all rooted from uh, a background value that the consumer will never see, but they will feel in every interaction with the company. And so I think the, the admonishment, the encouragement to, to business owners when it comes to really owning your virtues is thinking about 
down to the last detail, how do my virtues play out practically in such a way that they differentiate me from the competition? Because they can, they really absolutely, they can. Hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, you did you did your homework. So, so thank you to your reading up on, on Spirit Consulting. And the and the values and virtues that we list as our core operating principles for the organization, and yeah, I think that you gave kind of brought a lot of clarity there because I don't know if I've even um, as a business owner myself have kind of like gone to that level of detail of thinking about okay, you know, here are each of our virtues and values, and then here is probably I think where it would would make the most sense is like where are some of the areas where it's easy to start falling away? Like exactly how Zappos had done that. Like if, if they end up getting shoes online and it's not a fit, is it going to be such an easy process that they can be able to exchange it? And it's not going to be like a total pain and hassle where you're like, Oh, I'm never using this again. Cause I bought the wrong size. So annoying, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it's like, where are the areas where we can for already foresee trouble that we're going to run into as an organization and start to fall away from these different virtues and then really be able to cement that in with all the employees that are working for the organization. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. I, I love the way that you you framed it from the perspective of like where where is there opportunity? You think of like patients, for instance. Like how often has a client who really wanted to work with you, and I'm saying this not just you specifically, but uh, holistically, um, and they didn't understand the process of engagement. And you know, for really seasoned clients, you're like, you know, it's no big deal. They understand how how it works. Like I know in my own business. Um, we do something called design thinking um, or user-centric design. And if you live and breathe your business all day long, you don't realize that you, uh, you don't know what you do know. And then you interact with a client who doesn't know what you do know. Mm. And all of a sudden, uh, there's friction because you require patience and they require more knowledge. Uh, the same can go for, you know, do new direct reports when they're trying to learn a process or something like that. You're like, why don't you know this yet? Yeah, that was the thing that instantly just like buzzed yeah. in my head, you know, like, because there's so many of those times where you're like, get it, you know, get it, get it, right. Yeah. And when you're a big, when you're a high performer and you suck up knowledge and you're always looking to be the best that you can be, like oftentimes um, being the knee jerk reaction is when someone is struggling to think that that's somehow, you know, intrinsic inco incompetence or a lack of motivation or apathy or something else. And oftentimes it's not, it's uh, I've never been here before and, uh, and I don't know what to do. And just that, that thinking of, they may have not been here before uh, is a challenge to anyone, especially a leader, because you have to think through, okay, well, what would I do in this situation if I hadn't been here before? And then reflect that back to them. So anyway. Very good, very good. Well, Pierce, I feel like this has been, um... Um, just going to school and, and loving the lecture. So it just resonating in so many different ways. So I really am appreciative of you being on the podcast today. And uh, yeah, so Pierce, how can people get a hold of the work that uh, you and your company are, are doing? Absolutely. Yeah. If, uh, you can find me at piercebrantley.co. That's uh, P-I-E-R-C-E brantley.co or uh, for the book, Calling Awakened to the Purpose of Your Work, uh, anywhere good books are sold. Excellent, excellent. Well, it was a pure joy to be able to you know, share this time with you. 
excited for the way that it's going to bless our, our audience and listeners. And thanks again. Look forward to continuing the dialogue uh, with you as well, Pierce. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. Really enjoyed it. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day. <laughs>